on with the show. everybody it's another episode of the voices of misery podcast and you know what lately i've been feeling a little bit uh supernatural i've been having these weird dreams at night weird thoughts going through my head you guys know how i stay up at night going down these weird rabbit holes about things and i need someone to come on the show and help me answer these questions all these crazy things and i feel a chill go down my spine and you know i just need some questions answered i gotta reach out to an expert and i have a great expert today she is a friend of a friend uh, Rita, who just recently came on the show, she said that we should talk, and we're here, and we made this thing happen. This lady's name is Mary, and she is Mary the Medium on Twitter, and I'm very happy that we got to connect today because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Mary, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are things in your neck of the woods? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. I, I drove home for the weekend, so I'm with my family. Yeah. Where is home exactly? Well, I, I bought, I work down in um, South Florida. Mm. And um, what you would call, I, I I do, I marry the medium. I give my gift away for free. But during the day, I, I'm a dual credentialed executive chef. And so I work down in Palm Beach. Um, but I bought a house not too far away. And so I drive up on weekends to see my family so and my kitty cats my fur babies <laughs> you yeah. would get along great with my wife because she loves cats for some reason i don't know what the fixation is what is it with cats i mean they're evil creatures <laughs> um the one i tried getting into a kennel yesterday was for sure but um he was she was feral but um I mean, you know, it's like they gravitate to me. And, and the weirdest thing is they're all black. And I'm like, what the hell is up with that? You know, mm -hmm. but I've, al I've always been a rescuer of animals and of humans. That's that's my biggest thing. So, yeah. So cats love me. They, like they, they see sucker written all over my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> Well, apparently cats are not the only thing that loves you. And the reason why I really wanted you on the show today and the reason why I think we're a perfect match is because when I was talking to Rita and she's like, hey, you got to talk to Mary. She is amazing. She's the best thing ever. And then I checked out your Twitter page. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is right up my alley because yeah. I have a lot of questions, a lot okay. of questions about <laughs> everything, because every person, especially now during a pandemic year, yeah, everyone is obsessed with death. They're oh, freaking cool. out. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's staring you right in the face, isn't it? You know? Exactly. Uh, you could get COVID and, and within two weeks or even less than that, you know, you, 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 could, you could pass. Um, and not just from COVID, but, um, but yeah, so everybody is obsessed with that. And, and everybody's been obsessed with the paranormal for years, you know? Yes. Um, for a good 10 years, but unfortunately it's been portrayed on television as something that it's really not. Um, 
you know, and we were meant to be afraid of it. And we're not because, you know, and, and this is me. This is how I feel, nerd. It's I I don't believe and I'm going to say it flat out as a medium. OK, who can see and talk to the other side on camera um, and in live photos. I don't believe in hunting souls because you're hunting someone's grandmother, someone's brother, someone's infant child, you know, and you're just stirring the pot. I do believe that if they come to you like they do to me all the time, every minute of the day, that you are supposed to help them, um, not hurt them and not make them even more frustrated because obviously they're lost. Obviously they need some guidance. And so if you don't have a gift like mine or someone who is gifted, then call someone in who is, uh, because I don't believe, you know, you're just playing, you're just playing with fire when you do that, because if you're going to conjure something, which is a no, no, you know, you're setting yourself up spiritually for a fall. Mm. But that's, that's my take on that part of it. Now, you did mention someone trying to, like, bring a soul back. Like, why would someone hunt a soul? Well, you know, to get it captured on, you know, for, you know, let's go for, let's go on a ghost hunt. Let's see what we can get. So, you know, they go into supposedly a haunted place and they're antagonizing the spirits that may still be stuck there for, you know, for any number of reasons. Could be they don't know they're dead. Could be. They died traumatically and they're still reliving their death. It could be the fact that they got lost and they don't know where the white light is. It could be, you know, they don't want to let go or they're afraid of judgment. They're afraid of facing their judgment day, which we all have to do someday. And so, you know, people go on these ghost hunts and they're like, oh, I got this on camera. I got this. And they're trying to be the first to do this. I'm sorry. It's already been done. Stop doing it. What we need to be doing is helping the souls on the other side, because believe it or not, when it's your time to go, you're going to see these souls and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's the guy who hunted us when you get to the other side. So. You have to be a good soul in all in everything that you do because everything that you do is counted. It's counted. Who and now who counts it? Um, I prefer to call him God. <laughs> a lot okay. of people, you know, a lot of a lot of people have different religions. It could be, you know, Buddha. It could be Allah. It could be, you know, you name it. Um, even agnostics may choose a ketchup bottle you know it's it's really up to the individual but my personal um savior is jesus and god and you're gonna have to face your maker when you die now there are many different makers depending on the person's religion that they subscribe to right which one is the the best one you know until you get to the other side um, I can tell you I have seen him I, or, or the deity. Would I call him a him? It, it's really hard to say. I've seen, I have witnessed the Archangel Michael three times in my life. And why I keep asking, why me? Um, you know, and that's still a question that I ask. 
and I have witnessed the white golden light um, one, two, and just recently, uh, less than a month ago, um, where I saw my family, Joe, and, and so, you know, I've witnessed that, have I, and I believe that I have seen God in person, um, prior to this, and then also the Virgin Mary, but why me? Yeah, exactly. Why not, you know, Joe Blow in the next room? Why not, you know, Teresa down the street? Um, and I believe that it's because I was given a gift, um, and that's why I'm able to see see him. Now, you learned, I mean, from what I'm seeing here, and I did my research here, is you were five years old when you realized that you had this gift. Yeah. Who was there to help you at that age when you realized nope. that you had this gift? Nobody. And as a matter of fact, growing up in South Carolina, as you well know. I love it here. How? Yeah, I know. But when you're talking about someone with a gift in the deep Bible Belt South, you know how they feel about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like you, you. I had to hide my gift for the majority of my life because... Uh, of what I did, of who I worked for in my life, and being where I grew up. Because you cannot just come right out in a small southern town with five churches and 300 people and say, oh, yeah, there's um, your Aunt Mabel who's dead is standing behind you. They would most assuredly have locked me up, driven my family out of town, you know, called me a devil child or whatever have you. You know, so sure. when I, w I was five years of age, I was building forts around myself at night and I had my identical twin sister, Amy, um, and it was just the two of us. And I would take all my stuffed animals, all my pillows, and I would surround myself so that they couldn't see me and I couldn't see them. Or at least that's what I thought as a child. Now, did you find these spirits that were coming to see you, did you find them malicious or were they just happy to find someone that can kind of listen to them from the other side? Like, were they excited or did they as not? A, as a child, you think all of them are bad. When in fact, you know, there are boundaries. Spirits will approach a child who's got a gift, okay? Because they're just looking for any way out, any help that can be given. If you've got a gift and that you can see spirits, you need to set boundaries, okay? Like, for instance, at night, and it doesn't always work, um, I have to wear a hoodie to bed because it blocks, semi, semi, not really, but semi blocks my gift to where the hoodie goes on, it means nobody's home, Mary's trying to rest, and, um, you know, so don't cross that boundary or I'll have to say out loud in my house or the apartment down at work. Look, guys, I'm going to sleep. Don't bother me. Doesn't always work, but a majority of the time it does. Now, what do they ask you? How do they introduce themselves? Because, I mean, is this like a word of mouth kind of thing? Does one person say, hey, I found this woman on the other side who can talk to our loved ones. <laughs> this is where you find her. Like, how does this happen? 
spirit knows the connections, okay? Here's a prime example. I was in Palm Desert about four years ago working for a very wealthy man out of Pebble Beach as his chef. And I'm living in Palm Desert, and it's a Saturday morning. I'm off, and I am woken up by a spirit walking beside my bed constantly, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that's what woke me up. And I sat straight up in bed, and it's early in the morning. And I said, okay, you got my attention. I'm awake. What is your name? And you hear this name, Mar. And I said, and it was like really gravelly. And Mar. And I said, okay, Mar, what can I do for you? And it was silent. Nothing after that. And But, so I'm like, okay, so here's a man in my apartment. I don't know who he is. All I've got is the name Mar. So I put it out on all the social media websites. I, I said, I'm looking for someone who just lost someone by the name of Mar. And I got two people. Two people responded. One said, oh, my aunt died 18 years ago named Mar. I said, no, this is a man. And so another gentleman said, tell me what he looks like. And I said, he's an African-American male. And it's really weird. He's wearing this glossy, shiny, sequiny jacket. And he's handing out music tickets. I can't figure this out. But he also keeps talking about insurance. But he's a good-looking African-American male. And turns out this was his, the man that contacted me, his wife's best friend's ex-husband. So spirit knows the connections. And so anyway, so he said, do you know what he did for a living? I said, I'm not sure. I said, but he keeps talking about insurance and he's handing out music tickets. So I don't know. Did he insure music groups? Was he an insurance salesman? That's all I'm getting from this guy because see, once they pass, it takes a while for them to learn how to communicate. Okay. But this guy got the word more out, which is wonderful because that's the only thing I had to go on. Plus what he showed me. And it turns out it was Mar Brown of Atlantic Records. Wow. Who died of a coronary. And <laughs> his ex-wife, Victoria, he cut her off of all insurance a week before he died. Took all the insurance away from his family and gave it to his baby mama. And... He is trying to get a message across that he was so indeed sorry for what he had done to his ex-wife. And so I gave her a reading. It took six months, eight months, but I finally gave her a reading. And I said, he's sorry. Because had he known what kind of woman it was he had hooked up with, he never would have. Because she was not who she claimed to be. And sure enough, that was verified. Victoria verified that. And he was he had to make amends for what he had done. And he found me to do it. Now, do you find a lot of these spirits that come to you are looking for forgiveness? Or are yeah. they trying to relay one last message? 
one last message, forgiveness. Here's another example. I, uh, I was asked to do a crime scene up in Connecticut, and this crime happened over 50 years ago, but it was continuing. It continued for quite some time. And so a, a lady who lost her aunt over 50 years ago, and she has a, she has a Facebook page up, and I posted some photos, but I think maybe they got taken down because they were a little bit too graphic. But um, um, she contacted me. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. And she said, well, I also have an investigative reporter in on this, which I will not mention his name. Um, and she said, so he'll pick you up. And he brought me to the crime scene. And it's. Is it an active crime scene? Not really. It's a cold case file, okay, mm -hmm. uh, because they never solved it. They have hunches, but they never solved it. So anyway, so I go out there, and I guess maybe I just got, and it happens. I got so caught up in trying to decipher what was out on the grounds, you know. I mean, I heard little girls giggling when I was there. I saw things that were horrific. Um and um, I took photos. Now, the one thing about my gift is I can take a photo and spirit will be standing there. So where the spirits were standing in these photos are where these girls are buried on that property. And so anyway, so I came back, back to where I was staying at the time in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And damn, if I didn't get woken up in the middle of the night. Help, help, help. And I got it on video. This male voice is going, help, help, help. You know, we need to cross. You need to cross us. Help, help, help. And I'm like, and it was really dark and ominous in the apartment. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I said, you know, give me your name. And so he gave me his name. And I can't remember his name now. Walter. Walter was his name. And he said, help, we need help. And the woman that was with him, the dead woman, goes, no, don't tell her your name. Now, when a spirit says, no, don't tell her your name or Custis or something, it's not good. <laughs> you don't want spirits like this around you. So I knew I had gotten followed by some evil back to where I was. And you know what? Those assholes, excuse my French. Oh, no, please. Stayed with me for six months trying to get, trying to um, coax me into crossing them. And finally, I had had enough. And I told them, I said, you have to go back to the crime scene. You are destined to go back to the crime scene. And you must make amends to all of the girls that were murdered there before you can cross. Before I will even think about crossing you, you have to make amends. You have to tell them you are sorry. And once you do that, then you can come back to cross. Because I tried for the longest, not wanting to believe that they were bad spirits, you know, because they will try and fool you. Once they are tricksters in life, they're, and they don't end their ways, they are tricksters in death. And they tried tricking me. They even said on camera, we have new leads. And these people are dead. And they said on camera, we have new leads. We can show you where the bodies are. And this is like six months ago. And I'm like, no, you can't. And this is what you're destined to do. And they left me. And 
I guess they are back on the crime scene trying to get forgiveness so that they can cross. So where did they go after they cross? Do they go to a higher being or do they go where they're meant to be? So they go to heaven or hell or where do they go? They go to judgment and then, and then the God will decide where they go. But Walter was trying to, Walter was trying to cross. And unfortunately, or, or he says his name is Walter. I don't think his name was Walter. I believe that his name was someone else. But but there was a Walter, a neighbor that knew what was going on on this property, and he did nothing to stop it. So um, I, once he crosses, he's going to have to face judgment because you just don't walk into the light, okay? You, mm. you, you're going to face judgment. You're going to see what your life was like. Did you help someone? Did you hurt someone? And then, you know, uh, really good souls walk automatically into the light, like my father, who was a doctor who made house calls, who wasn't in it for the money, who really genuinely cared about people. He came out of this gorgeous white light, and it was a blue background, just incredible. Um, so immediately I knew he went. But for the souls that, that, can't cross because they did bad things in life that they have to make amends for, you know, once they are able to be crossed, then it's, you know, it's, it's judgment. And that's why you see, and, and, in a lot of my photos, you will yeah. see a lot of souls that can't cross because they're afraid of judgment. I mean, who wouldn't be right? Oh, exactly. Now, let me ask you this. Now, is this the natural step after your eyes shut and you take your last breath on here on Earth? Do you go to that judgment stage immediately? Like, is this what we have to expect when we die? Well, just go to those. And I get I get conflicting things on this because one photo I've got people reliving their death, you know, in a video um, in a. I shot some stills from that video and you got people reliving their death over and over and over. And so they're stuck. And then in another photo, I got a guy coming out of his grave, scratching his head, like what the hell just happened. Mm -hmm. And then I've got people standing in the woods and another one, I've got over a hundred African American slaves in another photo you know, that were standing there in front of me looking for help. And that's in the Northeast now. That's not in the South. That's in the Northeast. Sure. You know, and then you've got the really good souls that automatically don't have a problem. I, I personally believe that if you suffered trauma in this life and you haven't, you haven't closed every end before you die, I think you're going to try and want to um, try and um, close those ends when you're dead. And, you know, I mean, it's every different, every spirit tells a different story. Exactly. Now, my thing with that would be everyone has regrets in life. Everyone has that one thing that they wish they can go back and correct or do. 
And make amends day, while make yeah. amends while you can, if you can, if you can't. Spirit can hear you without a doubt. Spirit can hear you, and you can apologize if you have to go to the grave and apologize. You know, but make amends while you can. You know, because you shouldn't die with regrets. I should have, could have, would have. Now, let me bring this back to when you first got your gift, because I'm very intrigued into people's origin, like, I'm sorry, origin stories. I got a little tongue tied there for a second, but they're origin stories. Like, how like how did you realize that you got this power? Can you remember the first time that a spirit came to you as a five-year-old? Like, what would they expect from a five-year-old? Um, you know, like, I would hear voices beside my bed. Help, help, help. And, you know, and, and of course I didn't, you know, terrified, absolutely terrified. That's the first memory I have of, of my gift. And Amy and I both were terrified. Amy slept in, we had twin beds, you know, cause we were identical twins mm-hmm. side by side. And, and most of the time we were sleeping together because we were just absolutely terrified. I mean, you know, you know nothing about it, and then all of a sudden, this and some of them were were dark shadows. Some of them, you know, looked like you could see through them. Some of them were just pale, like no coloring to them whatsoever. Sure. And it was, you know, like they would surround my bed. They would surround Amy's bed, and you know, it's like you. I don't know if there was some show on TV, the woman turns off the light and hear all these shadows around her. <laughs> that's that's kind of like what it is now. Now it's like, oh, okay, I see you standing in the corner. What can I do for you? You know? Mm-hmm. And I actually had a spirit say on video the other day, um, fe- uh, fear no more. And and that's true. I don't I don't fear anything anymore. Because faith and fear cannot live in the same house. Exactly. Now, you're unique and and the whole sense that you can catch spirits on camera, just like you mentioned. Yeah. How is that possible? Is that part of your gift or is there like a special camera utility that you use? Oh, no, no. <laughs> My iPhone. <laughs> and, oh, boy. There you go. Shout out to the iPhone. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know how to. Um, you know, just a simple little camcorder, but typically it's on my iPhone. I've got 35,000 pictures on my iPhone. Um, or my, don't, don't scratch the bed or, um, a cat scratching the bed or my iPad. I mean, (laughs) or my iPad. No, and as a matter of fact, I thought, I don't want to turn my old iPhone in. I'm afraid that, you know, that I won't be able to do this again. And my good friend Joe goes, Mary, it's not the phone, okay? Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you're right, it's not. So I broke <laughs> down and I, and I bought a new iPhone, and it's not the phone. And, I mean, and so, that, and so when I first came out and started showing people this, they're like, we just don't believe it. You know, this has got to be created. This is fake. And it's like, no, it's not fake. I don't even know how to edit a photo. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't own editing software. So whatever I post, it's real. 
and um and so but that's that's just part of my gift that's a huge part of it as a matter of fact when i was up at the new jersey para unity expo several years ago amy allen was there and amy was saying yeah pass around all your photos you know she said it's unbelievable we you know we i just pass them around so everybody can see them and that i thought was the sweetest thing she's a very nice person so how does that connection start when you're five years old and it's like, is there a light switch that turns on that maybe like a bunch of spirits just kind of see this thing like a dinner light going off? Hey, that person we have to go bug the hell out of because they can understand us. How does that connection start? Um, well, if you if you are and it's not something you can study in school and obtain either you're born with a gift or you're not. Yeah. You, OK. And, and I'm sorry. I mean, I've, I've had people tell me, oh, if you go to this school, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to harness psychic powers. You know, I think everybody has intuition. But when it comes right down to being able to do more than that, like what I do, what other mediums do, either you're born with it or you're not. You can't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I got older, my gift changed. So I was born a psychic and a medium. The medium has always stayed with me, the medium gift. The psychic gift changed over the years. It went from knowing what was going to happen before it happened to um, seeing um, small mini spirits above people's. This is sound. This is going to sound strange, but seeing like mini spirits above people's heads and everything was like in neon lights, like it would light up like Phyllis and Ed. Sure. Uh, another story. I was sitting in a restaurant and at the time, many, many years ago, 20 something years ago, I, jo- I got up from the table to go into the bar to have a cigarette. And this is before they banned, you know, cigarette smoking and, you know, restaurants and bars. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, God, no, please, please. You know, I, I just want to have a cigarette in peace. And there were two women sitting up at the bar and I saw Phyllis and Ed. There was Ed above one of the ladies' heads. He was bald. He was round. He looked like he was a pizza maker. And Phyllis with his blonde beehive hairdo above the other ladies' heads. And their names in bright neon lights would light up. And so... And they turned around and they looked at me and they're like, you look like you just saw a ghost. I said, I actually did. And their names are Phyllis and Ed. And their jaws dropped. I thought they were going to fall off the bar stools. And, and I said, um, she said, yeah, my dad, his name is Ed and he's in the hospital right now. And we're afraid he's not going to make it. Well, I didn't have the heart to tell the woman that he had died mm-hmm. because I saw him. Um, and so anyway, I said, well, you know, nice meeting you gotta go, (laughs) you know, because at that point I was high, still hiding my gift. I had to hide it. Mm -hmm. Um, and my ex-husband was there, the yacht crew that I worked with, because I was a chef on the mega yachts and super yachts for 21 years. Okay. And so I had to hide my gift. And so they come up to the table after I left the bar. And they, I'm like, hi. (laughs) And they're like, how long has she had her gift talking to my husband at the time? 
and Richard's face just got really beat red. And I said, I've had it all my life. And one of the women goes, it's the most incredible gift we've ever seen. And they walked away. And the rest of the crew are like, what are, what are these two women talking about? So, you know, so my gift has changed over the years. And now it is what it is. It's being able to show spirit in photos and on film in broad daylight, not nighttime, but broad daylight. And having, and the other part of my gift, which is really strange, is the ability to make inanimate objects talk. That is what I'm most interested in here because, like, we've all seen the movie Poltergeist when that yeah. one scene in the original where, and I think the kid's name was Bobby. I think he was the boy, the brother who got shipped away in the second one. But, like, his, like, uh, like he had, like, a toy that turned and the head was spinning and the mouth was moving and all that stuff. That's what I'm most interested in, like, how they can put their being in something else and make it do things. Like, that's what creeps me out the most. Okay. So look at it this way. Okay. I collect antiques. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so when my niece arrived from Italy, Julia, I bought this beautiful French bed for her. <laughs> She's sitting right here. And um, so I bought this beautiful French bed at auction. You know, it didn't cost a lot of money, but it's just really pretty. And it's from the 1800s. Well, not more than like a month later, as I'm taking a picture of the cats, videoing the cats, actually, this French guy goes, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> this dead French guy. I'm like, oh, crap, you came in with the bed. You must have died in the bed. And then, oh, yeah, so I collect antiques. So they can come in with something that they were attached to in life, and they just can't let it go. Like, they died in the bed. Like, there's an Italian guy, besides my niece and my nephew from Italy and Joe, there's an Italian guy in my house that came in with Cristiano's bed because I got that at auction, and it's a real Italian bed. And mm -hmm. um, tall bed from, like, the late 1700s. And then they can attach themselves, an artist can attach himself to a painting that he did that he was super in love with and he just can't let go, you know, because it brought happiness to them. And so, yeah, so inanimate objects talk. So what are some reasons that someone would stay behind and not go into this afterlife? Because if the afterlife is so great, why would someone choose to stick behind? Unfinished business, um, looking after their loved ones, too afraid to let go, amends have to be made, um, just can't let go of their self-inflicted pain. Um, they may have been a bad person in life, and they are full of sorrow, and they can't forgive themselves is the, one of the biggest things I have found. Um, or they're worried about another loved one that's still left here on this earthly plane. They're worried about them, and so they want to hang around them to make sure they're okay. Um, that's, that's, I mean, there's a whole host of reasons. Now, can you shut this off, or is it I, always happening? It's all the time. 
even at work. Oh my God. Um, I mean, I, I'm at work and stuff happens. The microwave talks and it happened one time in front of my boss and it totally freaked her out. And <laughs> she never knew that her microwave could talk. Um, and we knew that was the spirit inside the house, obviously. But like, for instance, some of the paintings that she had created up to take to her new estate that they just finished doing. Um, I'm walking by the crates and I, I immediately texted my producer, Dina, and I said, Dina, you're not going to believe this, um, but the paintings are screaming. And they are inside crates, and they're screaming. And one of them said on video, because I I had to video it very secretly when no one was looking, and Mm -hmm. one of them said, stop the entombment. They're thinking they're going to be, (laughs) I mean, they're crated up, you know, they're cased in in wood, and so they're not sure when they're going to get out of it. So one of them goes, stop the entombment. You know, and so they're screaming. They're like, let us out. And so Dina's like, can you film? And I said, I could try, but I almost got caught. But I did get several of them um, on in live photos saying, um, help, let us out, stop the entombment, one mimicking the cats, and then two spirits going, get us the F, get us the fuck out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was last week. This is every day with me. Every day. How did you learn to separate the two? Because, I mean, you got the gift at five years old. So as a five-year-old, you see everything as a five-year-old would see it. And all of a sudden, here's this whole other thing that's out there. How did you learn to separate so people didn't call you crazy? or Because, like, obviously you couldn't talk to anyone but your sister Amy. Yeah, no, I mean, Amy understood. A- A- Amy, I always thought Amy was more gifted than I was. Um, and, um, you know, I always thought she was prettier and more gifted and just a gorgeous human being, absolutely. Um, and so, no, I couldn't talk to anybody about it. Absolutely no one. So I had to learn on my own. I didn't have a mentor in this business. None. Mm. And so I had to learn by doing. By every spirit I encountered, I had to learn how to handle it. I mean, when that first spirit came to you and they like, what was the request? Did they have anything to ask you? Or are they saying, hey, are you real? Can you really see me? That's what I'm trying to figure out here, because like if I'm a ghost and, and the way that I've, I've, I've always thought about the afterlife and being dead. I've always thought about the movie ghost with Patrick Swayze, where it's like, you just jump out of your body and you're there and you're looking for someone that can hear you. Yeah. Some, some, some you can see some that have been around for a long time. You can't because basically they, they kind of go clear. Okay. Um, some are still flesh colored. Some are gray and white. Um, and, and I mean, when I was a child, I could see them even at my age now in my fifties, I can see them. Um, and usually it's always been help, help or their name will come out. 
Like, for instance, last Sunday, Joe and I went to his house, and we <laughs> left the house. We set the alarm, okay? And he has a Nest camera inside his house. Well, the camera's counting down. I mean, the alarm's counting down. It goes beep, beep, beep. And then all of a sudden, you hear a man go, no, they left. And then you hear another guy go, Archibald. It's Archibald. And then you hear a woman tapping on the Nest camera going, it doesn't respond. No respond date. So mm -hmm. that she's foreign. And, and so they're inside Joe's house and they were waiting on me. Do you find, so, do huh? you, well, do you find all these spirits to be looking for help or are some of them yeah. malevolent? No, looking for help. Now some are malevolent. Okay. Some are malevolent. And it's, if you have a gift, if you walk into a room and automatically you will know whether or not it's full of white light or whether or not it is dark. And um, I, I have been in houses which were just, oh, you just wanted to stay the rest of your life in because it was so full of white light. And I've walked into places that were, it was immediately dark. Um, you know, it was dark feeling, a malevolent spirits in there. Um, and so you innately know as a gifted person, what is what? Mm -hmm. I walked into my house tonight, having driven here. I walked in, I'm like, oh, I don't really like the atmosphere in the house. I don't. Yeah. So after I end this call with you, I'm going to have to sage my house. Okay. Now, the whole saging process, what exactly is saging? Because we all have that mental picture in our heads, they like the horror movie fans out there, of someone just shaking a twig against the wall, like, hey, you know, get out, evil spirits. <laughs> it's sage, white, and I usually use white California sage or Palo Santos wood, which is holy wood, and... Typically, the correct way to do it is you need to open up a window or a door in every room that you're going to sage. And you need to have some blessed salt, black salt or kosher salt with you. And you stand in the middle of the room with sage. You light the sage, you blow it out, and you let it smolder. And then you use a feather or you use your hand and waft it in a uh, clockwise motion as you go around the room. Okay, you're going in a clockwise, clockwise pattern around the room. And you want to cover every wall. You want to cover underneath beds. You want to waft the smoke into dresser drawers, into closets, into the corners, the ceiling if you can. Um, and keep that lit, keep it lit, um, and go to every room. Now, once you sage one room, you want to close the window, seal it with salt, or close the door, seal it with salt, and move on to the next room. And typically, malevolent spirits don't like sage, and they definitely don't like salt. Don't ask me why, they just don't. Or Apollo Santos would. Now, 
Oh, and Becky, my cat is looking at something here. Uh -huh. he's, yeah, he's looking at a spirit on the floor. Huh, how about that? Okay, well, there we go. Now, that's so, something I do want to ask you about with, with animals, and especially cats, because I feel like cats are the gateway to hell because they are some sinister animals. We had five cats in my house at one point. And every cat would stare at random points of the walls at various times. They'd freak me out. Yeah. Yeah. They can see spirits. Dogs, cats, all animals can see spirits. They can see and even other deceased pets. Oh, absolutely. Other pets, they have souls. They absolutely have souls. I've got a picture of me driving through a cemetery and in the back of my SUV, hanging out the window, is a cow. A dead cow. Okay? Get this. A dead cow. It was a baby cow, but it was still a dead cow. And with the dead cow was a young boy. Mm. Dead. Hanging out of my window. So, And I've got pictures of cat souls, of dog souls. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Can you ever turn this off? Can you ever just say, you know what, I'm just going to close my eyes, concentrate, and not see this for a little bit? Or is this always with you? It's always with me. The only time I close it off is if I'm at work and I can't pay attention to it. Or if I am um, going to sleep. And that's when I do my hoodie and I cover myself up with a blanket. But even then, they will walk right up to me and ask for help. I bet. I mean, it's kind of like being in prison and you get that one phone call, but there's only yeah. one person that can listen to you and there's a line of dead people that are waiting to talk to someone to get to someone else. Yeah, so you, that exactly. exactly. And some I can help and some I can't. Prime example are those two people who knew about all those murders in Connecticut. And, you know, I, I couldn't help them. I tried. And then I realized they were tricksters, and I'm like, no way, man. Uh-uh, not until you do something about what you did. And so there's nothing I could do for them. I have, I have gone into places and rescued souls. Mm -hmm. I, that's mainly what I do is I rescue them. I go in and I pull them out. I had a friend of mine that lives out in San Diego, Ricardo, call me and say, uh, Mary, my friend just died. Can you see what happened to him where he is? And sure enough, I found him all right. Um, and that's another part of my gift is remote viewing. I found him in the basement. It looked to be like a school or a church. And he was slumped up against a bank of drawers, rocking back and forth. And it was gray. It was not a pretty area he was in. And he was rocking back and forth, muttering. He was going, ma, 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 rocking back and forth. And I could only stay several seconds at a given time. Uh, it took me three times to go in and grab his soul and bring him out. But when Ricardo wanted to know how his friend died. And so I'm standing there in the gray area with the soul, which I do not recommend to other mediums to do. Do not do it because you could lose your soul. You could lose yourself there. And it was, it's very, it's dangerous, dangerous work. 
And um, I said, how did you die? And he's still rocking back and forth. And he turns and he looks at me and half his head is gone. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I immediately got out of there. And I told Ricardo, I said he blew his brains out. And sure enough, it was a coach that had blown his brains out in San Diego. And I think you can look it up online, too. Um, And I went back in there, and I had to coax him two more times before I finally got him out, before he would finally leave with it was my soul down there in the gray area. Not me physically, but my soul went in to get him. And I got him out. Now, people who commit suicide, you know, we've always heard, nerd, that people who commit suicide go to go to hell. That's yeah. not true. That is not true. Okay? Um, people who commit suicide are so distraught that they may stay in a gray area like this guy was. Unless there is a family member that has predeceased them that can catch their soul as soon as that act happens. And if that's the case, they are Velcroed to that soul so that they don't let their let their the soul of their loved one slip into the gray area. But for a lot of suicide victims, they're not there to catch them. Now, which religion is the true religion for people out there that are questioning this? Because there's so many different versions that people believe in as far as they believe in a Jesus Christ, they believe in a, any other number of religions with their own version of God. You could have Thor, you could have Zeus, or whoever you believe in. What's yeah. the true one? You know, and I'm not going to say my religion, and I'm a Christian, is the correct one. You know, I can't, I cannot make that judgment call. I just know from what I've seen. Uh, And I have seen the other side. I have seen Michael the Archangel three times. I have seen the Virgin Mary. And I believe that I have seen God uh, at least twice, if not three times. So I believe that it's... um, more faith than being closed inside four walls. Mm-hmm. That does make a lot of sense because my whole thing is like, if someone is coming to you as a spirit and they're saying, Hey, please help me, help me, help me. And then they say, I don't want to go to God. I don't believe in him. I believe in this God. And that might not be something that you believe in as a Christian. Can you still help them, or, like, how does that go if the person doesn't believe in the same afterlife you do? Which is really strange, and I'll tell you this. I have never, ever, ever crossed an Asian. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. That's I shouldn't say that. I should say I've never crossed someone who was Hindu, someone who was Buddhist, um, and certainly not an atheist. Okay. What and, happened- and, and which is weird because I've got pictures of them mm-hmm. from like the 1700s standing there working the rice fields, you know, Asians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were Chinese, where they were from, but of Asian descent, but I have never had. If I think about it, I have never had one come to me to ask me to cross. 
across them. I, why is I that? I just wonder why that is, yeah. yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. Maybe they try to put you with someone who's like a good match for you. Maybe it's like a great, like a dating app, you know, like those ones that you swipe left and right. You find the person you like. It's like, hey, there's only a couple of mediums out there. You got to pick one that matches your profile closely, and they swipe and they pick the one that they want. And that's maybe that's where they end up. You know, and that could be so true, right? That could I be mean, so true. I mean, it's almost like once you die, it's like you get assigned a lawyer or a public defender, and right. so it's like, which one do you want to get to the right. place where it should be where you end up eventually for eternity? <laughs> That's true, yeah. And so when you first decided that, you know, you were given a gift and you were able with your sister and you were able to kind of talk to someone and bounce ideas off back and forth, when did you realize that this was something that you wanted to pursue as far as helping the afterlife? You know, when it's so overwhelming that and it's day in and day out, it's like, you know, I, I can't just sit by and not do anything. You know, like a little child. Um, when I first bought this house, there was a young child. There was a young boy in this house, and he was the same one that was found dead in a pond not too far away. Um, and you know, my heart goes out to children and to animals, and to you know, grandmothers who who you know is is. It's for the souls that really want the help. I do this. Like, I was in a museum not too long ago, and I took a picture of a painting, and it said, free us. Please, free us. And I'm like, okay, all right, fine. So I went back the next day with things in my pocket, like holy water, and I literally freed the slaves. And you could hear them rejoice. I mean, literally, in my photo, Going, we're free, we're free. And they were so happy to be free of the bondage because a lot of them are trapped. You know, it could be a malevolent spirit trapping them. It could be their own self trapping them and they've got mm -hmm. to get out of it. it I, I do it for the, for the good of spirit. I do it for that. I don't charge for my gift. Now, I was just going to ask you a question about your gift, and uh, that's interesting that you said that you don't charge for it, because I was going to ask you, like, how can you tell who's real and who is, like, well, not who's real, but who's alive and who's dead? When you're walking down the street, do you have yeah. two sets of eyes? Like, is it black and white and one's in full color? Like, how does this work? Um, when I'm walking down the street, um, or let's say in the grocery store, you know, like the grandpa will come up behind the, the clerk, you know, or the dead father will appear behind the clerk. Um, you know, I, I innately know who's dead and who's not when I'm walking down the street, you know, um, because they look different than the living humans. A living human is peach colored flesh or they're, you know, you know, dark skin, yellow skin, red skin. Sure. Someone who's dead is gray and white. Mm -hmm. If they have just passed, then they will still have peach colored skin. But over time, eventually it will turn gray and white. 
So how do people come back when they, well, when you see them? Because my whole thing that I've been thinking about, because I, I think about death so much that it's probably unhealthy, but I, but I think about it. And I'm thinking, I hope the, me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm thinking like, you know, I hope to pass away when I'm 80 years old, 90, 100, who knows? But when I come back, like when I die and my soul gets out of my body, what do I look like? Do I look like how I died or do I look like how I wanted to always you, look? You do. You do to me and you, you will to me. You will look like you did in life. And most of the time it's in your death state that I see spirits. Um, okay. Uh, and also a lot of spirits I'll see after they've crossed, um, which is in white light. You know, they're surrounded in white, uh, white light. But but a lot of the spirits that I rescue are still in their death state. Even that the bad is, They look like they did when they died. But even the bad ones, are like, are the bad guys still wrapped in white? The bad ones, like the bad spirits? No, the bad ones are not wrapped in white light. No, absolutely not. The bad ones look just like they did in life, except for they're darker. And they appear darker to me. Okay. So they have, like, a silhouette or something? or? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They look like human beings, except for they're they're dead. I mean, they look just like... In other words, imagine, and I don't want to say this, but, um, okay, I'll give you an example. Okay, I'm standing there talking to Joe Blow, and his wife passed maybe six years ago. Okay, so she was a brunette when she was alive, but and she's wearing a pink blouse and, and blue skirt, but yet her skin color is gray and white. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and you'll notice that in my photos. If you look at some of my photos, you will see spirits are gray and white. Their their color of their dress will be there, like the Salem witch trials when I went up to Salem. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where I, I. And true story, I wanted to go to Salem. Didn't know where I was. I lived an hour away, so I decided, okay, I'll just go to Salem. I'll just drive around, see what I can see. So I decided to park along the main street. Had no idea where I was. So I got out and started walking around, and lo and behold, I'm in the cemetery. So I decided to start taking pictures. Well, there's a, there's a, a woman, a dead woman, wearing a bright green dress in the cemetery. There's an African-American male walking in my video. He's black and, I mean, seriously, he's, it's like it's being filmed in black and white, you know, the old TV, black and white, with a backpack on his back, or at least it looked like a backpack, but it wasn't. It was another human being attached to him. There's the people in Salem, during the Salem witch trials in the 1600s, in my photos in front of me on my video, you know, and I took pictures of the video. Sure. In front of me, in their outfits that they wore from the 1600s, their skin is pale white, but yet their dresses are vivid black. Huh. And, and what? I'm like, wait a 
announcement, I'm like, wait a minute. I just captured the Salem witch trials playing out because they were putting a hood over a victim that was sitting down. A man was putting a hood over a victim. And this white woman with red hair and pale white skin wearing a black dress was leading the charge, was leading them to do this. Uh, and, and it's like, this is the Salem witch trials. Exactly. Oh my God, that's good. some trippy shit. What? So, 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 what's the trippiest thing that that anyone has ever come back to ask you to do or finish up for them? Is there anything you've ever turned down, or like, what's the craziest? Thing? Oh my God, I, I was up in Connecticut this past fall. Yeah, this past fall. Oops, um, my sister. Hang on. Um, this past fall and I was asked to go to this house mm-hmm. and to see if I could get a reading on the house. And I said, sure. So as soon as we, I knew nothing about what was going on, nothing. Um, and I was with my television, I was with my producers and, um, so I get out of the car and all of a sudden I see these two guys like from the forties, they're arguing back and forth. Like one screaming at the smaller man. The larger guy was screaming at the smaller man. And it's like, you allowed this to happen. And you we're missing out on all this money. And I'm like, why are these two dudes, you know, yeah. arguing in this lady's front yard? And they're from the 40s. And so I walked in and I was given this manuscript. And I was touching the manuscript. And I'm like, There's, this guy is like yelling. And all he cares about is money, 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 money. Turns out what I was touching is the original manuscript for Superman. Ooh. Originally, back then, it was called Superboy. But I was touching and looking and turning the pages of of the original screenplay the writings of Superboy, which turned into Superman. And so what did I do? (laughs) I took a picture Uh and the author, Joel, I think his name was Joel, the original Joel, whoever wrote Superman and his, and his partner. Yeah. Yeah. It was like Joe Mejek and something else. I can't remember their names either. Yeah, I got to look it up. I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, spoke. And he said, leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> that, that right, the, just for this past year, is that the strangest thing? Yeah. Yeah, because I got taken back into history by seeing these two guys argue in this lady's front yard. And it happened to be Joe, Joe Silver, Joel Silverstein or something. Yes. Yes. And his his partner, they Mm -hmm. were arguing in this lady's front yard in Connecticut. She has the original, her name is Lauren. She wrote a book about this and, and her old boss basically who passed because I brought him forward he passed. He wanted her to find this manuscript, and she found it. And it was just amazing, amazing. And we got it all on camera. So, where can people find these these videos and pictures that you have, as far as the proof of, um, of, of the spirits? Twitter and Facebook, mainly Twitter. 
because oh that looks so good thank you sweetheart um um mainly i closed down my linkedin account because i had too many screenwriters looking at my stuff and lo and behold you know out would come the next movie so i closed down my linkedin account everything of mine is copyrighted and some things are being trademarked so um but mainly twitter facebook um and what are some of the oh instagram um, and there are a lot of things I have not posted simply because um, that's in my um, my pitch reel. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't I can't I can't release a lot. Some things, you know, because it's sure. being pitched to network. Um, and then I'm also writing my book and I'm like maybe 30 chapters into it where you will see when my book comes out, you will see um, the photos with all the spirits in it and the stories behind each photo. I can't wait to see it personally. And, uh, you know, since we're going down that route here, talk about the mainstream media and about, you know, uh, just books and things like that. What are some common tropes and misconceptions about the afterlife now in mainstream media that annoys you as far as like the movies that are out there about mediums talking to ghosts? Do you ever watch these movies that are like, no, that's not how it really goes or that's not how it really happens? Or which ones yeah. really nail it? Well, I mean, they've always painted us really badly. They have painted yes. a picture psychics as being thieves and they have painted us really badly. If they knew that some of us were out there trying to help the spirits, maybe then they could paint us in a good light. Um, and so I hope they see that in me because I don't charge. I will never charge. I don't believe in charging. You are given a gift. You need to give it away. Now, granted, well, there's like, well, I make my living from it. I'm sorry. Go out and get a day job. You shouldn't make a, make a living off of charging for other people's fears and sorrows. I'm that I'm sorry. That's just how I am. Uh, no, I think that's a great way to live. Things are great. I mean, I, I've got a, I've got a trick, and boy, will I catch a lot of shit for saying that. But <laughs> I, you know, I've I've got a trade that I rely on now. Once I can't do that trade anymore, I might change my tune. You know, because I have a mortgage to pay for. But um, but I, honestly, you know, charging these big sums of money to for to tell someone their dead uncle is behind them watching them. No, you know, yeah. or their child is still with them or their pet dog. No, I think that should be given away for free. I agree with you, too, because it's such an easy thing to take advantage of if you're in that business, because there's a lot of stories about people doing it. And I wanted to ask you personally how you feel about these celebrities out there that are pretending to do these readings and just, just, you know, really take the forefront of this whole, hey, I'm a medium. Um, The reason why I bring this up is because my wife and I, we went to a uh, Sylvia Brown show years ago, uh, about 15 years ago now, and we had our first daughter was on the way. Yeah. And my wife asked her a question. She knew the answer to She's like, will I ever have a child? And then Sylvia Brown said no. 
when she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So she so she came home and she was like, "Yeah, I'm never believing in this shit again." And I just want to ask you, as someone who legitimately sees these things, like, how do you feel about these celebrity mediums, people on TV? Like, how does that make you feel seeing them? Well, um, okay, so it was brought out that Teresa Caputo, um, that she would, you know, and this was in the news, and this was really disheartening that that they would do uh, investigative work on several people in her audience before they would come to her shows. And I thought that was, thank you. And I thought that was, you know, that's pretty crappy, mm-hmm. you know, um, Sylvia Brown, you know, not everybody gets it right. Um, and I can tell you, am I always right? Heck no, I'm not. It, spirit shows me signs, symbols, images. It's like a little movie playing out. And I have to figure out what is the message here, you know. So here's case in point. A girl wanted to know about her boyfriend in England who, you know, um, is he is he okay? She had not heard from him. And I could not, I could not for the life of me understand what I was seeing. So I told her, I said, I see a bed that's not made up. I see boxes everywhere. I see him getting out of bed, putting on a jacket. There's a woman waiting in the corner, all dressed, um, and she's waiting for him. And they go out the door together, out of the bedroom door. And they don't even close the bedroom door. And they leave the bed a mess. I don't get it. What's going on? So... I was wrong in that, like, okay, is he having an affair on her, or what's happening here? Turns out that was his spirit guide waiting for him. He had just died. Oh. Yeah, so, but, I mean, I got it, you know, that he was, you know, he wasn't there anymore, but the problem is I couldn't understand the woman standing up against the wall. Because she would not talk to me, would not talk to me, would not. And he would never turn around and face me, never turn around and face. Now, how do you decide which cases to take on? Because I'm sure you get a lot of requests every day. Are there some that are just like, all right, no, this isn't worth my time? Because obviously it's not a lot of you guys with this gift. So, So how do you manage it? I, I, I do all of them, big and small. And, you know, I'm not going to pick and choose. Um, I, I believe that God put them in my life for a reason. And so, big or small, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try my best on each one. And I, tell, I always tell my clients, I call them clients, I guess, um, the people mm-hmm. I'm going to read, I said, you know, um, I... I'm the messenger. I can screw up the message. Like if they're standing there with a red hubcap, it's like, you know, there's a reason they're standing there with a red hubcap. If you don't know them, maybe you were nice to these people in your life. They may not have meant anything to you, but maybe you showed them an act of kindness. And after they die, they're coming back to tell you, thank you. You may not have known some of your, 
elderly relatives, but that doesn't mean that they're, they're not there. And I'll describe them to them and they'll go back in their family photos and they will find that person that I described, which is pretty unique. Now, do you feel it more of a blessing or a curse? Your, your gift, do you see it as a blessing or a curse? Like, would you rather not have it in hindsight? No. No. I can't imagine not having it because it's such a, it's so fulfilling. People every day go to work in jobs that they hate. And without a doubt, this is the greatest job and it's the most fulfilling job. Cooking just pays the bills. Exactly. But the job that you do on the side here is very open for scrutiny. So how do you deal with the people that are like naysayers out there, uh, people that judge you? Uh, in the beginning, I got really upset when I came out about my gift and the photos and the videos. I got really – I was upset. It's like, why don't you believe me, you know, because – I have I have no reason to fake anything. And and now it's like believe what you want to believe. You know, it's okay if you don't believe. Mm. And it's okay. It really is. Now, that's why I like having people like you on the show is because like I'm one of those guys who's on the fence about religion and everything else and Yeah. I would identify myself as an agnostic. I don't okay. necessarily disbelieve, but I don't believe. I'm I, I'm very open. Sure. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. So what happens to a soul like mine when I pass away? Where do I go? Do I go to purgatory and meet someone like you and plead my case, or what <laughs> happens? No. Um. You know, and and. To be honest with you, I can't really answer that. It depends on whether or not you were a good soul in life. Mm-hmm. Were you? Have you been a good soul in your life? I would like to think so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I knew it all, my name would be God. Mm-hmm. Well, in your personal experience, because people come back all the time, and they tell you what they've done, they ask you questions, yeah. I'm sure, and they... Just lay it all on the table because you're the first person, the first real person that they can talk to on the other side. And who knows how long. So when they lay it on the line to you and they're like asking all these questions, like, like, what do you tell them? Like, what is their next step? Like, do you just push them in any direction in particular? Or do you take your time with each case? Like, how does this work? Because it seems like you're the only person you can talk to a ton of people. In the after, it, it, it like blows my mind just thinking about it because like um, there's so many dead people, and you're the only person that can talk to them. So like, uh, how do you manage your your, your time with them? Uh, it's very very short with them because see, on the other side, after someone dies, okay, you got to realize as we're living, we're feeding our bodies with fuel, right? You mm-hmm. know, food, and once you die, okay, so. So you have energy, but you don't have all the energy you would as if you were alive. So interactions are short, sweet, um, to the point. And that's why you'll see batteries drain, you know, TVs go awry, but mainly, you know, 
as an energy source because the spirits have to continue to to get energy. Um, but basically, my job is to show them the white light. And then after they walk into the white light, and after that, um, and you know, the strange thing is, I can tell you, nerd, I can't say that I've had anybody return after I've... After I have shown them the white light, they have not returned. Well, well, that's a good thing, then. That means, like, you're mm-hmm. getting them where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now, the whole thing about the afterlife, like, have you ever had people come back and describe to you what their last moments alive felt like? Um, well, that was, that was me. <laughs> Back oh. in back in two thousand, mm-hmm. I had a near de- I had a near death experience NDE, where um, no cheetah don't eat that. <laughs> I have a cat named Cheetah who wants to eat my jambalaya. <laughs> um, um, where I where I saw the Archangel Michael for the first time, and I'm like, move out of my way. And behind behind him was this golden white light. And I'm like, just move out of my way, buddy. I don't know who you are. And I heard the word Michael. And he was, he, he had, I could see the tendons in his wings. Mm-hmm. He had jet black hair. And he, um, and it was curly, curly. But the thing about him was he was in a Roman, he was in a Roman, um, uh, like a Roman shift. Okay. And he um, and he stood in my way, and he would not let me pass. I would move to the left. He would dart right in front of me. I would move to the right, try and get around him. He would not let me pass into the white golden light. And I'm like, move out of my way. I'm coming through. And I heard, and I and I asked. I said, God, is that you? And I heard yes. But then I heard Michael. And then poof, I'm waking up. And, and so I asked a priest later on, because, I mean, I grew up Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't exactly the best Christian child, you know? And, um, you know, I mean, I was a little shit when I was growing up, like most people. <laughs> of course. And um, I said, is there, is there an, an angel named Michael? And they the priest goes, yeah, of course. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, the Archangel Michael. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't, I had to kind of verify, prove what I saw. Mm-hmm. I was, I was at Litchfield, Connecticut for an auction. And I forgot the name of the auction house up there. And from across the room, and I was with my ex-husband at the time, from across the room, in the auction was this bronze sculpture, and I said, that's him. That's who I saw. And sure enough, it was a bronze sculpture done by Freme, I think it's a French artist who had also seen the Archangel Michael, and he sculpted what he saw. And I said, that's him. And I told I said, Richard, this is him. This is who I saw. 
this is the Archangel Michael. And then I, and then I verified that the sculpture was indeed the Archangel Michael. Never seen that sculpture before. Never seen artwork on the Archangel Michael. But I recognized him from across the room like six months later. And I tried to, tried to buy it. It was way above anything I could ever afford. I think starting bid was like 2500 But I thought, you know, I don't need a sculpture to remind me of what I saw. Exactly. Exactly. Your memories are with you forever. Yeah. Do you think this is something that anyone has a potential to do as far as your gift, as far as people unlocking those portions of the brain that are way locked off because you just refuse to admit that things could possibly happen and you keep your brain shut off from things because you, you just have your, your mind set the one way there's this, there's been this conspiracy thing out there where people are talking about like a third eye where you have to open up your third eye to see things that other people can't see. Yeah. Well, no, you know, I'm sorry. It goes back to the very beginning when Mm -hmm. I say you're born with a gift or you're not and, and intuition. Okay. Everybody's got intuition. At least we hope they do. Maybe, maybe you don't open up your third eye. Well, the third eye, I believe, is are gifted people, um, you know, and, and maybe that's a closed off way to think. But um, now there is such a thing as transference of the gift. Um, in other words, if you hang around someone long enough, your gift can transfer to the, to the next person. And I've witnessed that happen with people who are around me, all of a a sudden they have a gift. But when I leave, their gift goes away. Now, now what's the reasoning that your gift would transfer to someone else? Is it because you don't want it and someone else is more open-minded? Or, like, how does that happen? Uh, You you know, good question there, nerd. Um, I think it's probably so powerful that it rubs off. Maybe transference. Um, that's the only way I can think of it. You know, I mean, Joe doesn't have a gift. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, um, all of a sudden things start happening to him, and and he's able to know things before they happen, and he does not have a gift. But your sister did. Uh, I believe yeah. it was Amy. You said right? Yes. yes. Amy had a, I mean, exact same kind of gift as mine. Now, now you reference her in the past since it's had. Is yeah, she, still she, she died. Oh, she died. I'm sorry. That's okay. She she died in 2003, and unfortunately, I saw her death before it happened, and I warned her about it, but I couldn't stop it. Mm. Yep. Oh boy! Um, so she had the same gift as you, as far as seeing spirits and talking to spirits. Oh yeah! And Did she, she shows come up in my you? videos? Yeah, yeah. She shows up in her voice and her, and she'll show up in my videos. You know, her voice will show up. She'll make comments and stuff. Her, my niece and my nephew that are here from Italy, they um, Cristiano for sure has an incredible gift. Now, he doesn't see them, but he can feel them. So he's a sensitive empath and 
clear audience where he can hear them as well. Very, very gifted. And Julia, she doesn't want to believe she has a gift, but she does. Sure. Now, is death something that we should fear? No. Not if you're a good soul. Well, that makes perfect sense. I mean, like, if you're a good person, you go to a good place. But it's it sounds like a lot of death that I talk to people about. Because, like, you're the second, you know, uh, person I've talked to that's a medium on the show. And the first person said it's more like a purgatory until you uh, ascend to a better place once you, uh, you know, complete your goal of whatever you were trying to finish while you were still alive. And now you're dead and you got to figure it out where you can go to the better place or whatever. So, I mean, it's, it's it's just very tricky because a lot of people out there, and myself included, are just at that point where you're like, you know what, we're, we're getting older and now this is the COVID year and everyone's afraid of death and you're death all the time and you're freaking out. Yeah. What, what actually happens? Like, well, what happens here? Well, I, I, so, like, when the body leaves the... When the soul leaves the body? Yeah. The soul leaves the body. Um, now, I've seen the soul leave the body and then go out the front door. I've seen them stand around, hang around with the family. And then when it's time, you know, uh, you know you'll have family members stand around waiting on the person to die. One of my ex-bosses, her sister, her dead sister showed up a couple of years before she died and was hanging around waiting on her sister. And um, and so the two of them, after she died, the I wasn't there when she died. I had left that position. Um, I was working um, out there in California for this for these people. And um so, but I've got her sister on camera, um, and I knew she was there for her sister to come collect her sister. You know, um, your soul leaves your body, and then you can either choose to go on the path into the white light, or sometimes you know there's not a white light waiting for you. Um, and we won't really know that, will we, until we pass? But this is this is what spirits on the other side tell me. Like I just, I was, as you were work, booting up your computer, I was giving this gal Trista a reading about her grandmother, mm -hmm. and her grandmother died in December, and she wanted to know was she okay. Everybody wants to know is their loved one okay. And I'll tell you the truth, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Okay. And her grandmother was still with her, behind her, in the house, with her, and had not crossed. I mean, she was on the other side, but she had not left Trista yet. You know, she, she wanted to make sure that certain members of the family were okay before she left. Sure, sure. Okay. I mean, how do you gain your trust, though? When, like, a family member comes to you and says, hey, can you please talk to this person? And they give if you all they, this information. Like, how do you gain their trust so they know that you're the real deal? 
Well, um, now I don't conjure. Now, if somebody wants me to give them a reading, I will tell them who's around them. Um, sight unseen, I don't have to be there in person. And I will tell them who's around them. And if they say, well, I want to hear from my Aunt Bessie or whatever. I'm, I'm like, well, she didn't, she didn't show up. You know, I'm sorry, but these people did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's like I had, I had one lady. Oh, my God, it was a hysterical nerd. She goes, <laughs> yeah, she goes, I want to hear from, and I want to hear from my dead husband. You get him up here right now. I want to talk to him. And she was on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> and I'm like, lady, he doesn't want to talk to you, okay? <laughs> I saw her dead husband. He was right there, okay? But he did not want to talk to her. He was hiding behind a wall. <laughs> he started yelling, I want to talk to my husband. You bring him forward. I'm like, he, he doesn't want to talk to you. Well, what do you mean he don't want to talk to me? I said, ma'am, he does not want to talk to you. And I can't make him talk to you. She goes, well, why not? I said, because he said for you to get the man out of your bed where you are right now. And then maybe later he would talk to you. She <laughs> had another man in her bed. Oh, God. Me to conjure up her dead ex-husband. I'm like, no, uh-uh, not doing it. Uh -huh. if, he, if he's not there... When you meet me for a reading, and he may show up, but this guy didn't want to talk to you. He had had enough of you while he was alive. He certainly had, didn't want to deal with you in death. <laughs> so, so I'm sure that with the gift that you have, it, it attracts a lot of people that are looking for help. And you also yeah. probably attract people that are looking to troll you, like the people that are looking to like test you to see if you're real or not. Oh, yeah. I get it all the time. Yeah, like, how do you weed them out? Like, how soon do you know? Well, after the 20th time, 20th phone call in a week from them, it's kind of like, okay, guy, you know, maybe maybe you might want to give it a break. You're kind of bothering me now. Yeah. <laughs> um, the trolls, like, I won't do readings or, like, what's the lottery numbers? I won't do readings for am I going to get a good job you know my readings deal with dead people and um you know so and and if it's kind of like how does she know these things that's how that's how you know someone's good if if someone knows something and they were never told this information you no. know um, and the fact is, I'm not taking your money and running. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I do this out of the kindness of my heart. Um, you know, so you can kind of, and, and plus, I won't ever ask you questions. Mm. When it comes time for a reading, I won't ask you questions. I will tell you what I see, and then you tell me what this means. Because basically, it's a puzzle. Like, for instance, there was a woman in Scotland, and I gave her a reading. I said, I see this winding road. It's along the ocean, and this guy with dark hair just showed up, and he's got a red car door in his hand. And she said, oh, my God. I said, he's got dark hair. He's this age, and, 
and it's right there on the side of the road. And I think he died in a red car because he's holding a red car door, you know, red car door. And sure enough, the woman's son died. He went over the cliffs, the side of the road, over the cliffs, in a small red car. Died. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, and it was exactly where I said it was. I saw rocks. I saw a little stone cottage. And that was her house. Never been there. I mean, I do readings as far away as Indonesia, Scotland, Europe. I mean, you name it. And and frankly, I just put out on Twitter about Putin. Mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin. Sure. And like, what's going on with him? Like, how long has this man had type 1 diabetes? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, uh, that's a very interesting fact. And I think about Vladimir Putin. This guy will live forever. Because he's got all the power. And you got the power, you got the money. And that's what that's what matters nowadays. I know. I know. It's Unless sad. He, yeah, it's sad. Uh, uh, you know, and, you know, some things I have to say, nerd. When I see people like that, I have to say I'm glad I don't have their soul. Now, what happens if someone like that comes to you? And they say, no, hey, I, can, I can't help them. They have to make amends for all the bad shit they did in their life. And some but, of those, yeah, I can't help them. I could try. I could try. I honestly could try if they had, if they had real remorse mm-hmm. for what they did. I could try and send them into the white light to, to you know. But, I mean, you know, some souls... And by gosh, I will try, but some souls you just can't like those people in Connecticut. I could not cross them as much as I wanted to. They were still standing there in six months. They were still standing there bugging the hell out of me when finally I said, you know what? You got to make amends for what you did. Don't even bother coming back here, trying me to cross you until you go make amends. Bye bye. See you later. Now, has your advice as far as the afterlife and connecting with people that are still alive, how has that ever been used in like a court of law or like, can that be used in a court of law? People need certain closure for certain reasons. Like, Hey, my uh, grandmother left me so-and-so in her will. I have a medium here that says that she said this. Uh, they, they, you know, I got, when I took a, 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 I actually had a guy shoot video with us when I was new in the industry mm-hmm. and, and he decided to keep the film for himself. He was going to make a film out of it and like, no, no, you can't do that. Cause I paid you. And so I had to take him to court and I did not want to do that. I really honest to God, I don't like doing things like that. I believe in karma, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so when I got up on the stand, they asked me, you know, say your name. And I told them my name, tell, tell us your occupation. And I said, I'm a medium and psychic. And all of a sudden the courtroom just burst out laughing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I looked up and they all looked at me like, holy shit, maybe she is for real. Um, when I started telling them my side of the story, you know, I paid this guy to film and this and this and this and this and this. There are 16 
instances of dead people on my videos and mm -hmm. I got to have the videos back. And of course the judge awarded me all the film. Mm. Yeah. So the people stopped laughing after that came out. Good. Because I mean, like, I feel like there is a certain part of the country who just refuses to believe there's anything else out there. And there's a lot of people out there who are, on the other side and they just want to believe there's something out there, but they are just too afraid to admit their own mortality that yeah. we're living in a state that we're living in now where people are putting on face masks. They're, uh, they're afraid of every little germ that can possibly come their way a fear of death. And yeah. I just feel like that's how we are now. So people are just, just thinking that, that this whole thing is permanent. Like we're, we're not going to live forever. We are going to die. Yeah. And just get ready for it. Like, like, what would your advice be to someone like that? Um, I started um, a website, and I've since taken it down. It's called Good Soul Project. Okay. Where every week I was going to feature a really good soul, like someone who fed people who couldn't feed themselves, like someone who, you know, would go around and collect old clothes and give it to the homeless. And you know what? I couldn't find anybody to feature. Yeah. And so my advice is be the good soul you've always wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And don't expect anything in return. Just do it out of the kindness of your heart. If you see the dog on the side of the road that needs help, help him. If you see a woman that's homeless... Try and help her. Call someone to get help for her. You know, be the good soul that, you know, your heart is telling you to do. If you see something bad happening, can you stop it? Can you interfere? Can you intervene? You know, and just be that good soul. Those beautiful words to live by right there. Now, are there any horror, horror movies out there out there right now? Any movies on the horizon, anything in the past or the future that you can say that's a pretty accurate representation of what I do? Because um, there are some good ones out there. But yeah, what do you think? You're the expert. Um, <laughs> well, I got one coming out. It's called A Walk Through Hell. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, and it's true. I was, it was filmed in the Missouri State Pit Prison. In 2018, um, and so that's 100% true. You'll see Spirit try and throw me off of uh, a third-story railing in the prison. Mm. Um, um, but believe it or not, The Conjuring and The Nun, um, because I go up against some badass demons, when I go into a place to rescue a soul or I go into a house that's really haunted, you know, like, for instance, I went to a museum on the west coast of Florida, a very prominent museum, and the statue out front told me before I was going in, told me in a photo, he said, you're fucked before I went into this museum. Yeah. And so I go up some up against some really bad, bad demons. 
And you know what? Good always wins. Good always wins. Evil doesn't stand a chance with me. I mean, holy shit. So, like, you show up to a place and, and a ghost is like, get out. And you just walk right in. <laughs> I mean, holy shit. You have yeah. more holes than I do. I'll tell you that. Because I would say, all right, I'll see you later. Goodbye and good night. And I would leave. Yeah. Yes, I mean, okay, and my words exactly are faith and fear can't live in the same house. Exactly. Exactly. Great words. And I'm trying to find, I've got, um, I've got some video. I'm trying to see where the video is of Mm -hmm. that, you know, you could hear spirit. Uh, I did a murder, unsolved murder, in New Jersey um, okay. last year. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine wanted to know what happened to his father, so I gave his mother and him a reading. And then I, when I finally met him in New York City, I was with my producers at the time, and um, Spirit led me all the way to the East River. And I had these visions of, okay, it's the last bridge. And then if you turn to the right, here are some skyscrapers. And then there's a mound of gravel across the way. Sure enough, right there where spirit led me in that exact spot is exactly what what surrounded me, those three items. And so right where I was, I, I asked spirit, I said, okay, so... Uh, can you tell me who murdered Enzo's dad? And I got, um, I got spirit answer. I got spirit answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And A it turns out in this video, it actually turns out to be exactly who I said it was. Hmm. And That's- so here's here's a kid who, well not a kid anymore but Mm -hmm. here's here's a a male adult who did not have a father growing up because his father was taken out by the mob and 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 actually hearing the names of the two people that killed his father on my video oh let's hear it let's see if i can let's see if i can play it let's see sure that'd be awesome oh my god Okay. Says it's Don and Peter. Listen very closely. Did you hear Peter? Oh, Jesus Christ, my. You know, you know, the hairs of my arms are uh, sticking up right now. Get a okay. little piece back in here. Okay, so the guy that said that, mm-hmm. his name is Sal. Sal was friends with Enzio's father. Okay. Sal knew who killed his dad, and Sal is clearing his conscience because he's working on his angel wings. Not exactly a good soul because Sal, Sal was in my hotel room um, when I got there to this place, he was there, and and he tried to intimidate me the whole entire time. But that was him in the video announcing who killed Enzo's dad. Yep. 
Now, like, how would that hold currency in court? Do they acknowledge that in certain courts or no? Probably not, no. No. What a shame because, I mean, like, I feel like what you're doing is a public service because you're giving, you know, answers to people that have a lot of questions. I know. I tried tried up in Portsmouth to work on some cold cases, but the the detectives up there just laughed at me. It's like, guys, pretty soon you'll learn, you know, it's not all science-based. And, you know, and, you know, when you can, and the one thing I didn't tell you is the crime scene up in Connecticut I took a picture, and and here are all these victims standing there. Mm. How, how do you explain that? Here are all these little girls yeah. standing there. This is where they're buried. Would somebody please listen to me? And no, you know, the cops, you know, egos, we're going to do it this way. Well, I'm telling you. They're here in the picture. Why don't you go dig over there? But of course not. They, you know, they got to do it their way. I mean, like, what do you do at that point? Like, how do you explain to the people looking for closure in their afterlife that you can't affect the people that are currently living to change your situation? I mean, like, 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 what do you like? Well, I can't help you. Now the the souls. Now the souls that are there. They came with me. I got just about all those girls out. I couldn't get them all out. Okay. I got a majority of them out. But the family that needs closure, I showed them the pictures. She believes me. She knows it for a fact. But it's now, is are the police going to act on it? Can they go dig in the places where they are in my photos? Yeah. Now, what are the chances of the police following through with this? Um, slim. 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 Yeah. So why do you think the paranormal is such a thing that they just won't touch? Do you think it's just because like they just don't want to open their minds and believe it? Right. They're science-based. They're fact-based. They're science-based. Yeah. You know, there, there are some police, though, that have worked with some really good psychics over the years who believe in them when they have nothing left to go on, you know, when they've exhausted all of their possibilities. Yeah. They they'll reach out to a psychic, but is it, 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 can it be proven in a court of law? No, no. It's unfortunate because people like you do have a gift. And I do know that this is something that, it does touch people, and yeah. it's very important to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I and, really do. And and all I want to do is help, you know. I'm not in it for the money. All I want to do is help. And where can people find you that want help or that have questions about this? Um, Twitter, Facebook. On Facebook, I'm Mary the Medium. Mary, other side psychic. Um, Twitter, it's Mary the Me at Mary the Medium. Instagram, it's Mary, other side psychic. I have a website called othersidepsychic.com. Um, and I need to update that. God, I'm so bad about that. 
<laughs> I can relate with social media. I am the worst at this whole social media game. But we yeah, know, I mean, you, learn together. You figured out. I mean, you know Skype. I don't even know how to. I was trying to figure out how to work this Skype thing. I hey, know. <laughs> hey, we made it work together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. let's talk about your uh, film here, uh, A Walk Through Hell. Yeah. Is there anything you want to throw out there specifically in relation to making the film? And can you tell us what it's about? Or what uh, I went with a group of, of friends, Anthony Rogers, Gabriel Asher, and uh, Bruce, um, um, their friend Bruce. And um, it was just the four of us and um, was in Missouri and we went out to the Missouri State Pen and um, just, you know, just decided to to walk through the penitentiary, went to death row. Oh, my God. Oh, geez. You know, I went out there hoping that I could help some. They wanted me out there to see what I could see, what I could feel, what I could um, talk to, who I could talk to. Like I said before, I had some, I had one inmate try and throw me off, a dead inmate try and throw me off the third story uh, cell block. Um, I had, and I had the other one yell my name to say, Mary, come here. So I ran down to that cell, and 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 you know what was in that cell after I, I was tried to, th- after they tried to throw me off the third story. What was in there? A Bible. A Bible. Oh goodness. I, they said, "Mary, come here," and so I ran down to that. I ran down to that that cell, and all of a sudden, this amazing peace came over me, and I looked on the desk that was still in that cell, in that that you know, that prisoner's cell, and there was an open Bible. Yeah. And I said, they're trying to save my life. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, Death Row, oh, man. And then I actually went inside the, the gas chamber. Mm-hmm. There were spirits still in the gas chamber, and there was one African-American male and there were many who were framed for things they did not do. Um, and there was one in the gas chamber, and there was a white guy in the gas chamber. And I said, now, I said, I'm here. I said, this is your judgment day. Are you ready to go? And I said, you could either stay here or you can go to God. And um, I said, are you ready to go? And I hear this, I hear this male voice go, um, what did he say? He said, yes, ma'am, I understand. Mm. Yeah, just amazing stuff. And when I first got to the Missouri State Pen, I walk out on the grounds and right um, across the riverbank are all of these African-Americans standing there in prison uniforms. And they're standing there across the river on the bank. Mm-hmm. And I said, what the hell? Why are they standing there? Are you there? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. I'm here. And I'm like, they, the, the, the guards just had fun with them. Mm-hmm. And would 
and would toss their bodies out into the river. They'd just take them out, have fun with them, kill them, and toss them. Yes, so that's why they were Yeah. They, I mean, I have a, it's like right in front of me, broad daylight. There they are. I, just an incredibly sad, sad place. Oh, my God. Incredibly now, sad place. It's it's very difficult, especially when you're in a situation that you're in where you can see these things and you understand they're really happening. But there's a lot of skeptics out there. A lot of people that don't believe you and don't want to believe you, frankly. Just look at the photos. Yeah, exactly. And I did look at some before we recorded the show, and, and I'm a believer. The thing is, it's like we're so naive as far as human beings go that we think that we're the only thing out there. We're the only intelligent being in the whole galaxy, you know, out there. We're the only thing that can do this. We're the only thing that can do that. And we are holier than thou. And we are the only thing that can possibly be out there. And we're just so self-absorbed. We're not the bee's knees. No, we're not. Exactly. And uh, that's a simple way to put it. But... We we just have a very closed mind to a lot of things, and people like you that are out there that can help other people is a real yeah. blessing because we need more like you, and we need more people to just sit there and listen. Like, hey, there's something out there beyond the fact that yeah. your lights may shut one day. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, um, you know, and I've got spirits in my house right now that need help. People that don't even like have any relation to you, like you're just helping just random spirits. Oh, yeah. It's like a Rolodex. I'm telling you, this is what it's like. And, mm. and, and this has happened several times. A Rolodex of faces talking that are flipping all the time. It sounds worse than a DMV in New York. <laughs> Holy shit, it sucks. These guys are getting sit and wait in line until your name yeah. gets called. Right. Jesus. Well, Mary Beth, it's been a fantastic time. I appreciate you for coming on the show and just for sharing your experiences. Is there anything I you believe? Jared, the people... I know it's been pretty heavy, you know? Oh, but... fantastic. Oh, good. Well, you know, I'll keep posting. I got to I gotta do more posts. I, I do agree. Please more posts. And, uh, Whenever you have anything new to talk about or anything new to do, please feel free to reach out. We are friends now. Oh, well, you're you're in my home state. I'm going to be heading that way soon, actually. Well, you know exactly where I live. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, if you see any spirits behind me, tell them to leave me the hell alone because I'm I'm very skittish enough. I can't deal with that shit in my life right now. Yeah, let me know after after we hang up. Let me know tonight if you have any activity in your house. I'm I'm dead serious when I say that. Absolutely, Miss Mary Amelia. Thank you for coming on the Voice of Misery podcast. You have a good night. Thank you, nerd. Have a good one. <laughs>